all sorts of different backgrounds, different situations, different stories. But there's one thing that is equally important to all of us. There is nothing more important than this to know whether you are accepted by God or not. There's nothing more important than this to know whether you are right with God or not. I think anything that truly matters in this life uh, is related to this, both in this life and the life to come. Am I walking through life in fellowship and friendship with God and so that at the point of death I know I will be welcomed into his presence or am I walking through life as an enemy of God and death is the point of eternal separation from him there is nothing more vital than knowing the answer to this am I acceptable to God and I want to show you today that the only way that we can find acceptance with God our creator I want to show you how you do that, how you know this. And it'll really help you to have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, put your hand up and the stewards will bring it. And please open to Romans chapter 3. Just uh, put your hands up and we'll bring you Bibles if you don't have one. I think it's really important you see this in black and white in front of you today. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 uh, to 31. It's page 1130 in the Bibles. If you need a Bible, just keep putting your hand up and they'll bring it to you. Page 1130. I think it's worth knowing that really this is the heart of the whole letter of the book of Romans. This is the essence of the momentous news that, God, uh, that Paul was so determined to, to preach wherever he went because this is the gospel of God. This is the power of God that transforms people's lives. And that's why it's a very fitting text on this Sunday where we're, we're witnessing three people getting baptized who've all uh, shared something of their story of how God has been at work in their lives through this very gospel. So let's read this section together. Romans chapter 3 from verse 21, page 1130 in the church Bibles. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement 
through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. This is God's word. There's a couple of points I want to just make uh, to try and get the main message over. And the first is this. God puts people right with him only through Jesus. God, people, God puts people right with him only through Jesus. These two words in verse 21 are fantastic words, but now. It's not only the, the great turning point in this letter, it is the turning point in the whole of history. But now. We have been learning over recent weeks as we've worked through uh, the section from chapter 1, verse 18, all the way to 3, verse 20, of a rather depressing but realistic view of our human condition, of our human plight. All people, whatever background, whatever ethnic background, whatever class background, whether people are Jewish or Gentile, whether people have lived an immoral life, or a more moralistic, respectable life, whether people have been religious or irreligious, all of us, without exception, are sinful, guilty, inexcusable, and speechless before God. We know God's moral law, whether through our conscience we know what's right and wrong, or whether we've seen it in black and white in the Bible that makes it absolutely crystal clear. Either way, we've all rejected what we know to be right and wrong from our conscience, and we've disobeyed what God's word clearly has to say. We basically choose to, to please ourselves rather than pleasing God. And as we learned last week, if you look back at chapter 3, verse 10, there is no one righteous. There's no one in the right with God. Not even one. That's been the depressing 
but realistic news about our human condition. There's nobody right with God. And then chapter 3, verse 21, breaks in as such wonderful news. But now, something happened in history. There's a way of being declared right with God. Look at it again, 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law... The righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. There's a way of being declared right with God that's got nothing to do with my moral achievements, whether I've obeyed God's law or not, whether I've uh, lived this moral life or not. And the Old Testament parts of our Christian Bible, the the law and the prophets, all pointed forward to this reality that would come. And the Apostle Paul delighted to preach the good news of what actually did happen that would break this logjam, that would break through this colossal um, charge of condemnation on all of us. And it is in the coming of God's very own Son into the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the breakthrough moment. This is the moment where we move from being under the ear of condemnation to the possibility of coming under grace. But now, the righteousness of God has been made known. And it is available, verse 22, through faith. Look at verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. If you look at um, that verse, you'll see there's a little tiny superscript of of an H. And you, you can look down to the footnotes to see that there is a way of translating the underlying language that puts it this way. This righteousness is given through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. The original language speaks of the faith of Jesus Christ, and so it could be translated either faith in Jesus, or it could mean the faithfulness of Jesus. And I, prob- I think probably it is the, the footnote that is right. There's a way of getting right with God that's not about my moral achievements, but about the moral achievements of Jesus Christ. They're about his faithful life. He lived this perfect, sinless life that was perfectly obedient to God, even obediently willing to go to the cross. On the night before his crucifixion, remember that prayer that summarizes his obedience? Not my will, But your will be done as he commits himself to going and dying on a cross. There's a way of getting right with God that's all about the faithful obedience of Jesus. And we can be made right with God, declared right with God through trusting in Jesus through resting our lives on Jesus, 
That's how we can be declared right with God. It is the only way we can be right with God. If it's on our track record, if it is a weighing scales of all the good things we've done against all the bad things we've done, we will never be able to do enough good to deal with all the bad. There is no hope in us. The only hope is in what God has done through his son Jesus and his faithful life by grabbing hold of Jesus, identifying with Jesus, uniting our lives with this Jesus. It is the only way. And the reason for that is my second point. Because only Jesus paid the penalty for sinners. Only Jesus paid the penalty for sinners. Look at the summary of our predicament, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need Jesus. We've all sinned. We've all failed to live up to the reality of what God created us to be, those who reflect the glory of God to others. Our sin and disobedience means that, the, that the God's glory is not seen in us fully. It's but a fractured image of him. We've fallen short of what we should be because of our sin and our rebellion. And here's this wonderful verse 24. Although this universal problem, we have all have sinned. There is a way that anybody can be made right with God. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace. That word justified is another way of just simply saying made right with God, declared right with God. Uh, the Bible says we're all heading towards an inevitable meeting with God, judgment day. And God's going to hold us to account for our lives. What will the verdict be on that day? Well, the Bible says to us, because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, and if we trust and rely on what Jesus has done for us, we can know today the verdict on that day. We can be declared justified. This person is right with me. And we're declared right with God freely by his grace. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we deserve. That was the breakthrough moment that Jade shared with us, wasn't it? How I'm not worthy to be forgiven. I don't deserve this. Well, yes, that's right. We don't deserve it. It is all of God's amazing grace. This is why this is the good news of God. This is the gospel of God. This is what God has done for ruined humanity. God, in his amazing grace, has done something that we could never do for ourselves. An act of great generosity of extraordinary grace, amazing grace, as we sang earlier in our very first song. We can receive this rightness with God as a gift through faith. 
through simply receiving it with empty hands. But this does represent a problem if we think about this. How can God take guilty, unrighteous people and say, well, you're right with me. You're right with me. I'm going to treat you as if you're not guilty. I mean, if you read in the paper of some judge and uh, basically he acquits guilty people, you would say that judge is either incompetent or they're crooked. Their whole integrity as a, as a judge is utterly compromised. They don't deserve to be a judge any longer. God was quite clear that this was the rule of justice that he desired to see in the nation of Israel. In, in Proverbs 17 verse 15, he says this, One who justifies the wicked and condemns the righteous all alike are an abomination to the Lord. It's an abomination to the Lord to justify the wicked. And in Exodus 23 verse 7, God says this, declares this, I will not acquit the wicked. Now God is a righteous judge. He will not acquit the wicked. So how is it that God is able to do here what he says should not be done? How can he declare guilty, sinful people right with him the answer my friend is in the cross of Jesus Christ and there are three big ideas in these verses that we need to understand to understand something of the wonder of the cross of Jesus Christ the word redeemed propitiated I can explain that word it's a big word and demonstrate it. I want us to explore these three words. What does the cross of Jesus Christ achieve for us? What is God achieving through the cross of Jesus Christ? Well, firstly, it means that we are redeemed from slavery. You see, in rebelling against God, ironically, we found ourselves to become enslaved uh, the, the lie that was sold is uh, if you disobey God you'll have new freedom you'll, you'll know what's right and wrong you'll be able to choose to do whatever you want and ironically what everybody finds about sin is it doesn't actually free us it enslaves us sin enslaves us to self-centeredness we're enslaved under it. In chapter 3, verse 9, it was described in this way For we've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. It's not merely that occasionally we do things that are wrong, it is that sin is like a cruel tyrant that masters us. And we're locked in under its guilt and condemnation. It, it, it makes us locked in and imprisoned under the wrath of God. We are enslaved. And yet this is the wonderful thing that God does through the cross. Look at verse 24 again. And all are justified freely 
by God's grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. What God is achieving through the death of his son is to redeem sinners from slavery to sin. He's rescuing us. God entered into the world to do what we could not do for us, to rescue us from the enslavement of sin. And the language is clear as we read the Bible that it was a very costly thing for God to do. He personally paid the price of our redemption. He ransomed us, securing our freedom to the most costliest thing, giving his one and only son who pays the penalty for our sin so that we can be freed from the power and the enslavement of sin. And so in the cross, God redeems us from slavery. Secondly, he propitiated us from his wrath. The word there, sacrifice of atonement, is a word that uh, the commentators have had a lot of uh, ink spilt over. And um, the NIV has chosen a way to avoid, avoid it a little bit, but it's using the sacrifice of atonement. But I think there's a good reason for going with the original word that the King James Version used here as a sacrifice of propitiation. Let me explain what that means. What's been the big problem through Romans so far? The big problem is that God is very angry at sinful humanity. And God is completely right to be angry with us. We've been learning that. And we've also learned there's nothing I can do to stop God from being angry with me. This is my big problem. Uh, not so much that I'm a sinner, but that God is very angry at my sin. This is the fundamental issue. And yet God incredibly acts in his son to offer his very son to be a propitiation for sin. That is to a sacrifice that removes the wrath of God from me. The sacrifice of Jesus is a wrath quencher. It satisfies the justice of God and removes his righteous anger from me because Christ experiences the wrath of God poured out on him in the place of sinners. And again, it is the costly nature of it. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. That, that very language just shows us how costly it was to achieve the salvation. His one and only son, the one he greatly loved, he presented him as this sacrifice and it's through the shedding of his blood. It is through his death that God's wrath is removed from sinners. And so amazingly, not only does he redeem us from slavery, not only does he propitiate his wrath, but he also demonstrates his justice at the cross. You'll see that language used here uh, at the second half of verse 25. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, he'd left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. 
One of the extraordinary things as you read through the Old Testament scriptures is that people who are guilty sinners, people like Abraham and David, God pronounces, uh, uh, you are forgiven and you're right with me. Even though they did horrendous things, wrong things. How could God overlook their sin? If he'd left it that way, his integrity as the righteous judge would indeed be trashed. But God was able to do that because he knew that he was sending into the world his one and only son who would be this sacrifice for sinners. And the cross of Jesus not only uh, brings blessing to all us uh, who've come up, come into history uh, since the death of Christ, but also it covers the sins of those who came before, all who trusted the promises of God, that God would deal with their sin. In trusting those very promises, God was saying, I make you right with me on the basis that his son would die on a cross 2,000 years ago. You see, the cross of Christ demonstrates that God is altogether righteous. Our sin is horrendous in his sight. It must be punished. He can't just sweep it under the carpet. And secondarily, he ongoingly demonstrates his righteousness, verse 26, at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Here's the extraordinary thing. God is right to rescue wrongdoers. God is right to be able to declare that those who were formerly unrighteous are now righteous with him. He's completely righteous in doing that because our sins, well, for all who've trusted Christ, their sins were punished at the cross of Christ. Better than that, all the moral record, all the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, all his righteousness is accredited to them. This is the great exchange. Uh, here, here Here is a record of my sins. There's a holy God and here am I and the sins covers me in his condemnation and guilt. Christ the sinless one comes into the world and willingly offers himself as a sacrifice of redemption to propitiate God's wrath. And he takes the sins and says, I will bear the consequences of your sins for you. Now what is left to pay? My sins are taken away when I trust Christ. He deals with it completely. He shed his own blood so that I can be made right with him. This is the glorious good news of the gospel. This is how we know we're right with God. Through trusting what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross and saying, I want in. I want to be covered by his blood. I I want to come under his sacrifice. I I want to depend on the faithfulness of Christ. And all who will do that, God says, you are right with me. You are accepted by me. You are welcome to be my friend all through this life. And you will be welcomed into a glorious inheritance in the life to come because of the faithfulness of Jesus 
Christ. Well, in conclusion, look at the impact of this sacrifice. The the remaining verses, 27 to 31, really uh, apply it to the church in Rome and they apply it to us. If we're justified freely by God's grace in Jesus Christ, there are at least three implications that he spells out here. First of all, there's no room for boasting. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. You see, if it was down to our law keeping, if it was down to us uh, you know, doing lots of works for charity and being really nice people, then yes, we might be able to say, oh, well, yes, I'm quite a good person. I've contributed to this salvation in some way. But of course, we never could. It is all by faith in what Jesus has done for us. And so therefore, there's no room for boasting. Uh, It doesn't really matter what our background has been before, whether we've had a Jewish background or a non-Jewish background, whether we've had a a Baptist background or a Presbyterian background or no background whatsoever. There's nothing in us that means that we can boast. How ugly it is to find Christians who are proud. They've really not understood the gospel. The gospel humbles us. The gospel tells us the truth about ourselves, and so there's no room for boasting. It's excluded altogether. Secondly, there's no discrimination, verse 29 and 30. Uh, Is God the, the God of the Jews only? Well, no. He's the God of everyone who believes. There's no distinction now. We're made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Whether we've got the outward religious markings of being a Jew, circumcision, or not. Whether we are, um, well, whatever, whatever it is. It's not about whether you're rich or poor. It's not whether you're upper class, middle class, or lower class. It's not about whether you've had a degree from a university or not. It's about none of those things. God is the God of all who trust Jesus. There there is no discrimination. You see, the gospel not only promotes uh, humility, it promotes unity between people. I love the diversity of this church. I love that we've got people from all sorts of different nations. I love that we've got people doing all sorts of different jobs, all sorts of different stories, and we're all profoundly united in the same glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we not? It's, it's the most glorious thing. Uh, there's nothing in the rest of the world that can, can be a proper basis for such unity as this. Unified in trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. And actually, he finished off by saying, you know, there's no disobedience in verse 31. Do we nullify the law by this faith? Perhaps some would have been fearful that this uh, principle that we're made right with God by faith might mean that we'll say, well, okay, I'm trusting Jesus now. It doesn't matter how I live. Does it nullify faith? Not at all. We rather uphold the law. No, actually, it promotes purity. When I understand that I'm justified by God's grace solely through trusting what Jesus has done for me, then that means I am just living my life with profound gratefulness. What the law commanded, the gospel now gives us a heart to want to do. 
I now desire to want to live for the one who has loved me and showed such amazing grace. And I find the gospel is the very means that gives me the heart to want to love and follow and serve this amazing God. Are you right with God? Do you know that you're right with God? Do you know whether God's going to accept you or not? Well, I can tell you today whether God will accept you or not. Are you trusting on, relying upon Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? If you are, here's the glorious promise from God. You're justified. You're right with me. And if the answer is no, no, I, I'm, I'm not trusting Christ. Um, I'm doing my own thing. Let me solemnly tell you today, you're not right with God. The Bible would even say that God is your enemy. You're under his condemnation. Your sin will have to be paid for by you. So can I urge you today, if this is your situation, trust the Lord Jesus Christ today and you will be saved. Just as our three friends have shared with us, there was a point where all of them came to understand and trust Jesus for themselves. And I can tell you now, as those who are trusting Christ, they are justified, they are right with God. What a glorious thing. And it could be yours today anybody who believes can be made right with him today there's a prayer in the in the bulletin i believe there's a prayer of, uh, that you could use is it is it in here i can't see it oh it's on the back of that there we are and the little handout down the back in the middle there's a prayer that you could pray today to be right with God. It is completely free to you because it was incredibly costly to him. Take hold of it today by faith. Talk to him. There's, there'll be guys at the front that'll be happy to talk with you and pray with you this morning. Let's pray.